Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we're getting back to our exit interviews. We've got Shane Pinto and Matthew Joseph. And we're also getting back to our Send Central citizens today. It's Jordy. We cannot wait to share your love for the Ottawa Senators with the community. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 791 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We're also available five days a week on YouTube. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd, and Pillsy, second round of the playoffs are here. And I don't want to say I'm losing my love for the game, but I just miss four games a night. That's all. Yeah, I'm with you. The two games tonight doesn't have the same squeeze to it, especially with some of the top contending teams now out of it. Well, they finally figured out how to stagger the start times. I was so wrapped up in intermission, flip the channel. Intermission, flip the channel. But the hockey's still fantastic. Last night we had game one between Florida and Toronto. That's going to be a fantastic series. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see what side of the ledger we're hitching our wagon to. But man, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yesterday on the show, we discussed the playoffs. We gave our picks on the second round. Today, we're getting right into our exit interviews because we got a really fun Send Central Citizen coming up. And then we'll wrap up with our other exit interview. All right, let's get into Shane Pinto's season. Shane Pinto, the elite third line center that was asked to do a whole lot more than that this season, Pilsy. Is that a fair way to start with Pinto? Yeah, I think definitely it's a fair way to start. I mean, Josh Norris only played eight games this season, and Pinto was relied upon very quickly. And it's interesting, Ross, I was looking at Pinto's game logs, and remember how hot he started the season off? He had uh, five straight games scoring a goal. In his first eight games, he had six goals and an assist. And wouldn't you know it, that's when he was able to play as a third-line center. So that was a big help for him. And then... He ended up playing most of the season on that second line with Alex DeBrinkett and Drake Batherson. I mean, he was the NHL's Rookie of the Month for October. Yeah, He's the first Rookie of the Month this season, and Shane Pinto ends his season with 82 games played, which in and of itself is a huge accomplishment after missing all but five games from last season with the shoulder injury that he suffered. 20 goals. Nice even number there, making it to the 20-goal plateau. 15 assists, good for 35 points. Had an expected goals and Corsi above 50%, 50.7 in the expected goals and 51.4 in the Corsi. And then he averaged a second below 16 minutes per game, which I think ideally he probably would have been at 15, probably playing about a minute more than that per, per game. But the fans still impressed with his season, gave them a B grade, 70.8%. Now, it really gets interesting with Shane Pinto because he's an RFA after this season. Pilsy, I want more thoughts from you of his last season, but I can't help but notice 
this trend that we've seen with these college players where they come in, they really want to burn a year, but was this not a situation where it actually helps the Senators? Because, yeah, you can't predict injuries, and of course that wiped out the second season. But now they're looking at him as a guy who's only played 100 games, and I think that gives leverage to Ottawa when they're re-signing him this summer. Yeah, I think so too, especially Ross, when the Sens are going to look at Pinto and his agent and say, hey, look, we have our two top centers locked in. You are our third line center. You're you're only really eligible in our minds to make third line center money. And I think that's going to help them out for sure because Shane Pinto, the skill that he has adds a lot of value. And what I want to get into, Ross, is this kid is an absolute legend in the faceoff dot. We knew he was amazing in college, but we thought, okay, it's one thing to do it in college. Can you bring that level up to the NHL? And when he started off in the NHL, the answer was no. His face-off percentage was 40.9, 32.7, and now in an 82-game sample size, 52.1% in the dot. And a lot of those face-offs were up against really good players. So you have to tip your cap to Shane Pinto in that regard. He stepped up big time. You have to tip your cap to him in a multitude of ways, I think. Uh, for me, the the numbers really don't tell the whole story of Shane Pinto's season. As we talked about, this guy was averaging, you know, before uh, before the injury occurred to Josh Norris, like he was playing 13 minutes. He was playing 14 minutes a game. And it was just such a sweet spot for him where you can get him out there as the bumper guy on the second power play unit. You can get him out there killing penalties, playing in all situations, but not having to carry the weight of tough matchups at five on five. And that's something that I think as the season went on, he was understanding that, you know, he didn't have to worry as much defensively where it took away from his offense. I think a lot of his goals in the second half of the season were starting to move around in the offensive zone. Whereas early on, it was just his elite release where he's coming down the rush. Bang. It's in the back of the net. Those are huge goals because when it's seemingly out of nowhere and you can get yourself some momentum that way, I think it's a huge impact, but for him, it's his entire game is starting to come together. I'm I'm ecstatic, and I know I've said this for a lot of the guys. We're kind of working our way down from kind of the the biggest names up front, obviously working our way down uh, into the depth players. But him as a third line center, I just think the sky is the limit here for him. Where he, I think that he's going to take a jump. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he's a 45, 50 point guy next year. I, I don't even think that's asinine to say. If the second power play unit has one of DeBrinket or Norris, and if they're all healthy, somebody's got to move down and play there. It already has Giroux. I think that his power play production could even be a little bit higher than it was this past season, where he contributed four assists and five goals, nine points. Nine of his 35 points came well on the power play. I think we could pump those numbers up a bit, keep the even strength production where it is, but in less ice time. I think that this kid is is just scratching the surface here of what he's going to be at the National Hockey League level. Yep, I agree fully, and especially, Ross, we we all know the bottom six was terrible for the Sens this year. A guy we're going to talk about later on in the episode did not score nearly enough. So if you get some boosted numbers from his teammates in the bottom six, I think you can see Shane Pinto's numbers being inflated for sure. So we're going to talk about the contract at length in a couple weeks as we know that he's a restricted free agent right now. We, we do have to mention he was dash 21. That whole second line, five on five, they just gave up way more than they got in with the Batherson 
Debrinket and Pinto, all big-time minus players. I think we see a correction on that, especially for Shane Pinto. He also only had 18 penalty minutes this year, Pilsy. This guy always uh, able to play on the defensive side of the puck. I think in college, didn't he have four PEMs in, in his full season? I want to say four penalty minutes in a college game with uh, with Nodak. So clearly this kid, he's able to kind of be a defensive forward but not take penalties uh, at the same time. Yeah, 28 games, four penalty minutes in his final year at wow. North Dakota. The, this kid is uh, such a great uh, member of the system, and uh, I, I think being slotted properly will be huge for him. What is your initial offer for Shane Pinto for his contract this summer? Ah. Uh. I Honestly, I don't, I don't have anything off the top of my head, to be honest. Like, it, it's going to depend on so many different factors. Yeah. Well, if you can lock this guy up long term, I know that you can't lock everybody up. But if the price is right, this is a guy who I think is only going to get better and better. And people forget he only started playing hockey competitively when he was, what, 13 or 14? Like, this guy's got a lot of runway here as a 22 year old that won't be 23 until next November. So, a lot of road left. For the six foot three, two hundred pound centerman Shane Pinto, his next game will be the one hundredth of his NHL career, and he's already showing that he can handle the brunt of a workload of a top six center, whether it's the perfect spot for him or not. Still, a lot of road left. So, let us know in the comments what you think of Shane Pinto's performance this season. I think that the the people on Twitter are putting it very eloquently with being in a bit higher of a role than he should be. But man, this guy has that it factor. It feels like it. I don't know, Pilsy. I'm getting the feeling that this guy is going to score a big-time playoff goal before his Sens career is done. So lots of rope left with Shane Pinto on his time with the Ottawa Senators and looking forward to seeing how this contract negotiation goes throughout the summer. All right, coming up next, we've got a Sens Central citizen. Jordy will join us, and then we'll wrap up today's show discussing Matthew Joseph. That's all coming up. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Don't stress about getting last-minute tickets anymore. Check out Game Time. You can get tickets for not only sports, but music, concerts, comedy, and theater. They've got it all. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. Forget planning months in ahead. You can get tickets right on the same day as the event. You have flash deals for all sorts of entertainment events, and you always get the best price. If you find the same tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You get your images of your seats before you buy, so you know what to expect before you arrive. You can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, one, two, and boom, you got your tickets sent directly to your phone. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Today's episode is also brought to you by my happy place. You know, Shawarma Palace. Shawarma Palace is the place where I go the second I step foot in our nation's capital, and for good reason as well. Shawarma Palace not only only uses the freshest ingredients known to man, they don't only make the best shawarma in North America and beyond, 
but they also are so easy to access. You can find Shawarma Palace basically everywhere, from downtown locations to Orleans to even in the Carleton University Food Court. They've just opened as well at the Salem Ross Shopping Center. So go get yours today. It's more economical than going to a grocery store. And my goodness, is it more delicious as well. Shawarma Palace is the one stop. I always know that the food is going to be consistent, delicious. It's always fresh at Shawarma Palace. They're huge Sens fans as well. So make sure you go check them out at any of their nine Ottawa locations today. Sens fans supporting Sens fans. Eat like a royal. Eat at Shawarma Palace. All right, let's get to this week's Sens Central citizen. Here is Jordy Sens. All right, we now welcome on this week's Sens Central citizen. We're going down to Florida to bring on Jordy. You can follow Jordy on Twitter at Jordy Sens. Jordy, long time coming, brother. Welcome to the show. Welcome, boys. Really happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. I think I wanted to be on the podcast maybe about a year ago, but you guys are real popular. Got a lot of people. Hey, we had to settle yeah. for having beers with you at the CTC. You get out to a lot of Sens games, eh? How many do you go to, you think, I this do. year? Well, I would say maybe like uh, 10, 15 games at least. That's, That's awesome. which, which was your best time? Oh, that's 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 a tough one. Uh, I would say I went to the second uh, Detroit Red Wings game. Nice. In Ottawa. That was that was probably peak sense this year. That's when that's when the vibes are an all time high. Even even DeBrincat was saying that in his ex interview. Yeah, so. I I agree with that. But I mean, you just saw a seven five game down in Florida. We'll get into, but you were at the home opener with us too. That was pretty sick right off the bat. Yeah, that was that was an, that was also peak sense vibes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that definitely was peak sense vibes. And uh, we, we even met up with you at a 67s game the one year as well. Do you get out to many 67s games? Yeah, I uh, I like going to a 67s game as well. I have a, like a family friend who's on the team. So okay, go out to a, a few games. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't really pull through in the playoffs this year. They had a pretty stacked roster. But yeah, it was cool. It was uh, nice to see uh, Tyler Boucher playing when he was uh, – not hurt so yeah, yeah. see him uh, smack people as like there's nobody that's hitting anyone louder than tyler boucher you hear it <laughs> all through the arena it's it's awesome to hear hopefully we can see that in the sun soon and the 67s rank too it's just it's just a loud little ring i love it down there at the civic center it would have yeah. been cool and and i'm always jealous when we have citizens on who are like yeah i was at the you know, either the game one for the Sens expansion or at least mm-hmm. got to see them in that environment. Just a completely different world down there. But Jordy, the, the pictures, like I'm like, I, there's no, in my mind, it just makes no sense that the Sens actually played there. But it's pretty cool, uh, Sens history. So, yeah, That's it really great. is. So, you're clearly, you've been a fan of this team for a long time. What was the origin story? Is it uh, passed down in the family or how did you really become an Ottawa mm-hmm. Senators fan? Right. So, I'm, um, I'm born in Ottawa, so that's my pretty easy answer there. Um, my parents are both originally from Montreal, and they moved here like in the early '90s. So they've been Sens fans since day one. They converted from Habs fans, so nice. well done. Yes, love to see it. Um, yeah, I've I've been a Sens fan, and my sisters are big Sens fan as well. I can't remember not being a big Sens fan. So yeah, it's just I guess kind of part of who I am. I remember growing up and. Uh, going to Future Shop, getting my uh, autograph from Ray Emery. Like nice. It's a course sense memory of mine. Or Anton Volchenkov. He was one of my first uh, 
fave sense, that's for sure. So, yeah, I've always been a big sense fan. That's awesome. Those are some good players uh, right there. So I, I'm kind of getting a sense of the era that you kind of really started becoming a fan. What are what are some of your first memories, uh, like on ice memories, or like uh, your first memories from being at a game? What pops out at you? Um, like I don't really have any memories of like the Sens actually going to the cup. Like I don't remember seeing them. At, like, How old were you at that time? I was like five, six years old. Okay, so, fair. Yeah, yeah. My I have I have a twin sister, and she says she remembers, but I guess I don't. I, so, it's just on me, I guess. Uh, but I I remember going to I remember going to games. You'd have those little pamphlets uh, with all all the info. I remember seeing like Brian Elliott and uh, like Mike Comrie, Wade Redden, all those guys nice. playing. So, yeah, I have I remember going to CTC, seeing them play like. Carolina when they had like Cam Ward or those yeah those types of days so probably like 09 08 that kind of time was probably my first like real sense uh vibes but main like for me mainly it's the like 2010s like Al like second half of his career Alfie and yep. yeah that kind of thing did you ever get out to any playoff games either in 2013 or 2017 oh yeah absolutely I've into I've been to some some of the most electric uh, playoff games all like on sense history like when Pajo uh, lit up the Habs and everyone was nice. cheering Pajo Pajo and the going out of the CTC like the the first time I remember I remember being there that was the line brawl game too yes yeah that was it was that's, insane that's you, looking at the bench and there's like nobody there yeah. I was oh, at that game too, man. Three nineteen C. It was an unreal atmosphere. It doesn't so get much fun. better than that. No, and it was no, after it was like awesome. I love being in house. That was their first oh. real playoffs since the 07 team because they just got bullied in the two other when they played Pittsburgh in 08 and twenty ten. Yeah. So to come back and I know they had the Rangers the year before. Game six against them was brutal. A couple goalie interference calls on Nick Felino and they get eliminated, but it really felt like that shortened season. They just had that peskiness, right? You talk about Craig Anderson, probably his best single season with the Sens at nine forty one save percentage. But yeah, Jordy, that game was incredible. So give me your give me your top three playoff games, boots on the ground. Okay, so that that one's probably. I mean, that one's top three, but I got I got some other pretty good ones as well. Uh, both in the twenty seventeen run, first uh, first round against uh, Boston when Fanaf scored the OT winner, the clap bomb from the point. Yeah, and the, and the jump, Selly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was a really awesome game. Nice. And then um, probably the well, I mean, the last playoff game that I was able to see, Game Six, in the against the Penguins. Hell yeah! Final. I remember I, was, I took the took the OC transpo there, and just remember uh, me and my buddy we were we were like sitting in the bus, and we we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna go P- Pittsburgh, and we're gonna win the cup. This would be the like. Just, awesome vibes i just remember being like huge euphoria that was that was really sick that was really awesome yeah but it's a pretty good top three right there on to some some pretty good games so yeah i'm really fortunate for that oh man everybody's just getting the itch here to go back we all we still got three months before the season starts and i'm already getting the itch for playoff hockey and uh getting to see it live uh is is always just kind of five steps forward and um, Pills, you're the only guy that hasn't been to a Stanley Cup playoff game this year. 
I haven't been to any Stanley Cup playoffs games in my life. No. So I got to figure that out. I got to figure that out. Yeah, well, going down to Toronto, the Suns have to come up clutch for you. You know, we gotta. gotta I know that's the thing. Like, if I'm if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna wait for a Suns playoff game, right? Fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Give us uh, give us the lowdown. We'll get back. I I got some Suns topics for you, but uh, you were you were boots on the ground. Game six down in Florida. So Mm -hmm. was Brady Kachuk. The two of you guys in the crowd watching. Now, um, what was what was the energy like there? And can you call a Florida Panthers upset of the Toronto Maple Leafs on deck? Oh, I, I wish I, I wish I was that uh, optimistic to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to see it, but the series just started. I mean, just just one game. Like uh, Toronto got waxed game one against Tampa, and then things changed from there. So I guess we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll keep my expectations low, but I've never been a bigger Florida Panthers fan than this moment. So yeah, me too. Me too. Buddy. Yeah, so I have, I'll run. Run through a bit of the the game for you guys. Um, I mean, first of all, it, w- it was not my first time going to the rink there. I remember uh, maybe I was like se- seven or eight, and I remember getting a puck from uh, Sens legend Mike Comrie. There you go. Elite Sen, yeah. That's one of my first uh, Sens memories as well. And then I went to another game maybe like – five years ago but although they were playing the Habs unfortunately but I just wanted to go see some hockey but that place was absolutely dead like Florida was not good then like I remember sitting in we're sitting in 300s and like myself my sister and my parents we were the only people in our section like there was not it was it was like honestly embarrassing (laughs) yeah it's I, I remember back in the day they used to have promos on tv like student promos you could get a ticket, a parking pass, and a free sub for ten bucks. It was like they're just trying; they're giving these away. It's a donation. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this game obviously was different. Big playoff game. Place was packed. I mean, when at the at the start, like we were sitting there during the the warm up, and they got their. I mean, first of all, their pregame intro is absolutely terrible. Whoever's running there, like the vibes were just. There were no vibes. There was no one in there. Damn. The music wasn't even really that loud or anything. Maybe it's because I was sitting in the nosebleeds and I'm not a Panthers fan, so I wasn't really yelling. But that was that was that was pretty embarrassing to be honest. But once the game started going, like that was that was pretty rowdy in there, especially because it was a back and forth game, a lot of sick goals, and the Bruins fans were. I mean, there were some. It was less than I expected. A lot of Florida fans. So love, lovely to see that. But yeah, it was pretty pretty uh, cool experience. Uh, like, but it is nothing like going to see a Sens game. So Hell yeah, yeah. Well, there yeah. Are- it was really weird, really weird. Just uh, like when when they're scoring, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, I just saw a goal, but like, it doesn't. I don't care either out. way. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just I was just kind of like getting up and celebrating for both goals. Like, oh yeah, excitement. There you go. That's <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. What what do the tens have to do to get back to be a playoff team? Or what are you hoping to see this summer? Oh man, I I have I really envy the job of uh Pierre Dorio and Co. I have I, I feel like the Sens could honestly they could just kind of run it back. They're a pretty young team. Like there's been a lot of like changes recently. So if they just kind of get some continuity going, I think that would really help them. Like I, they've taken a good step. Like we got a lot of good players. 
got Claude in here. Like, can't be can't be missing the playoffs again with Claude. He deserves to be there. Yeah, Brady. Like, that guy's gonna be a menace in the playoffs. I'm real fired up to see that. Um, what have they got to change? Uh, I mean, I think maybe the easy answer is the coach. Okay. But I don't even honestly. I wouldn't even don't even think that needs to happen. Maybe a bit of a hot take, a little spicy there, but. Uh, yeah, like maybe there's there's something to be said with having some continuity in the in the with the coach. Like DJ's like it's his first gig in the NHL. It's yeah. maybe give him some time to to learn from his mistakes and like we, he's seen what works, what doesn't work. He knows the players well. He knows the city well. So I think uh, if if he returned and if Pierre returned as well, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be maybe as upset as uh, most other Sens fans. I'm, I'm willing to give him maybe one more one more year, give him a real shot because last year was like the only real roster that we had that would, could actually like make the playoffs, right? Yep. So that's that's the thing. And also, even with this year, I was looking at this earlier. The Sens had preseason odds of 86 and a half points. Yep. And they finished with 86 points. So it's not like they. It's not like he, they were terrible. Like they just, they did what they, they did what they could. And they had some real injuries to Norris and the goaltending carousel. We had like seven goalies. So yeah. yeah, if we could see maybe some, like if, if Forzy can stay healthy for a lot of the year and I think the Suns, they'll, they'll be just okay. And you got another year of Sanderson and, and we'll have actually Chickering in the lineup. Like the, the Suns are ready to go. I think they just, yeah, keep keep where the, where they were at uh, the end of the year. Just try to not uh, be terrible in November, and uh, yeah, that should be that's the plan for the Sens. <laughs> yeah. So so if you're confident, just pretty much uh, bringing this roster back, who's the one guy that needs to have a bounce back season for them to take that next step? Mm. Um, I, I I would say I would say it's uh, Batherson. I, he he was he this guy was a menace on the power play but he he was not the same as as last year yeah like uh he's if you look at his like shooting percentage like three percent from five on five or something like he just that'll that'll change i i think but i don't something i noticed with batherson he loves taking shots from like the goal line or from like these ridiculous angles they're just like yeah he did it that one time against Calgary and he thinks he can do it all the time now. So maybe, maybe a bit more passing. Maybe if he's playing with uh, Norris and uh, Debrinkat next year, uh, if Debrinkat comes back, big if, but we'll see. Um, but if he wants to pass it to those two snipers a bit more, I think uh, that'll help for sure. Yeah. And then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give a second name. Okay. I'll say uh, Joseph as well. Yeah. He's can score this year maybe he's I mean he had a pretty like severe injury with his leg so I kind of hurt him but like I, I still think Joseph did did pretty well like he was plus player he was on like I think he was impactful he's on the ice he hustles like he's probably the best penalty killer we have on the team he's real real good penalty killer Re- really like him on there but maybe he needs uh he needs to produce a little bit more and then yeah, he's yeah. gotta he's gotta have more he's gotta have more even strength goals than you, me, and Pilsy next year. Combined. Yeah. Individually. Forget <laughs> combined, Pilsy. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. That or yeah. Also, but 
Uh, the whole bottom six for the Seds was a bit of a <laughs> disaster. Like yeah. Parker, Parker yeah. Kelly had like four yeah. points all year, and Joe Pavelski did that last night. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Um, so, so how would do you think that just sliding Pinto down with the with the health of of Norris? Do you think that's enough to to make an an impact in the bottom six and get Joseph maybe providing a little more offense? I think so. Pinto Pinto's a Pinto's a heck of a player. I think if he wasn't if he didn't if he didn't have that uh, injury that kept him out uh, two years ago, like he'd be like a. 60 point player with to bring count about this and like he's he's sick yeah you know, like i remember watching him a lot in north dakota and this guy was like he just has all the tools he's yeah. real smart player like he's got like a like a strong guy he's got a real good shot he's got good hands he's thinks the game well like i i really like pinto and one thing about Pinto, and, and we often see this with the young centermen struggling in the face-off circle, and Pinto is no different, at least when he started his career, that 12-game sample, then the five games before his injury last season. Man, he's he's 52% last year in the dot. Like, you got to think that number is going to keep climbing as as the years go on here. So yeah. I, I'm with you, man. I see kind of a Mike Fisher 2.0 a little bit with uh, with exactly. rings, and that would just exactly. be money in the bottom six. And then um, – what what are you thinking? This is uh I'll, my penultimate last question for you is how quickly do you move on to Brinkett? Like if he comes to you and says, "Hey, like I'm still kind of deciding with my family," and you're coming into the NHL draft, like is that a tough decision you're going to have to make, or do you give him all the time he needs? I I have no idea, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I guess you just got to give him that. You got to give him that one year at nine mil and keep him around, like Pierre said. But I think he'll make up his mind. Like he had, he had so much going on for him, like this year. Like he moved and had a kid and new team and everything, new country. Like I think he needed a bit of time to just settle down and see what's going to happen here. I don't know how much, uh, like how much he values like making as much money as he can versus like the vibes, but. Personally, for me, I feel like he really fit in well with, like, the core. Like, everyone's kind of his age. There's a lot of, like, American yep. guys. And, like, you watch, like, the videos. He's always sitting next to, like, Chucky and, like, Timmy. And he's always giggling all the time. So, I, I think he wants to stay here. Maybe his agent wants him to go somewhere else. But, like, I'm, I'm not um, – not, too too worried about uh, Debrinkat. I think. Oh, when uh, when Chicker went on coming in hot, and he's like, "Yeah, the card table. It's me, Brady, Shabby, uh, Timmy, and and Cat." I was like, "Thank God, Cat's in in the mix there." I think yeah, Shabby yeah. might, might be there too. But like, I mean, if those guys can't convince you that this team's headed in the right direction, yeah, I, they they've done all they can. I think on their end. So I'm with you there, Pills. What you got? Uh, final question for me, Jordy, and I like uh, ending Send Central Citizens off like this. Just the the floor is yours. Is there are there anything uh, you had back pocket uh, prepared for us? Any stories or fun tidbits that you wanted to make sure you got off your chest? Because I hate when we mm-hmm. end Send Central Citizens, Ross, and then after they're like, oh, I forgot to tell you this. I forgot to do that. So floor is yours. Uh I can't really say I had too much. I mean, I had that the Ray Emery one locked and loaded. That's there we go. Got out. That's a that's a core sense memory. I mean, I'm I'm a goalie. Like hell play, yeah, yeah. There I didn't go high level. I played just a few years of rep B and, and played some house, but nice. 
Yeah, I love. Yeah, that's sick. Uh, let's see what else. There was oh, you, you brought up Mike Fisher. Yeah. Um, I those are I mean, this is probably not the the best note to end it on, but I remember being like really really sad kid. But I was playing in the ODR in my in my backyard, very Canadian moment here. And my dad like opens the door and he's like, "Jory, like Mike Fisher got traded to Nashville," and I just remember <laughs> being pissed and I was t- taking clap bombs in the net like, oh, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> We didn't even get anyone good back for him. Like <laughs> tough. Shorty, we we appreciate you, man. You're a great follow on Twitter. I, I like that you're you're always re- ready and willing to get in the mix and not kind of go with the the public opinion on everything. And uh, we appreciate that. So we want everyone to go give you a follow on Twitter at Jordy Sends. Jordy, we'll see you at the home opener, brother. Can we count on that? Absolutely. Yeah. See you, boys. There. All right, stick taps to Jordy for joining us. Really fun conversation with him. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter at Jordy Sense. All right, Pilsy, we discussed with Jordy. Now let's get into our exit interview for Matthew Joseph. His first full season in the nation's capital after coming in hot at the end of last season. He had 12 points in 11 games. We joked during the summer, he was second behind only Danny Heatley in points per game in Senators franchise history. Well, that took a dip this year. Only three goals for Mattia Joseph this season. And what makes it even more of a disappointment is that none, zero, none, nada of those goals were at even strength. So Mattia Joseph, 56 games this year, three goals, 15 assists, good for 18 points, played a shade over 14 minutes, and his Corsi numbers below 50. I I don't think we've had anyone below 50 yet in the top nine, but Matthew Joseph at 49.6, of course. This is like one shot attempt basically over, so it's right there at 50% where we find his expected goals. Joseph signed for three years more at 2.95 Pilsy. I guess where we'll start, and there are some positives with Joseph's game. There's no question, but what went wrong as a whole for him in his first full year in Ottawa? Well, I think it was just kind of a jumbled season, Ross, and maybe expectations were a little too high. And Shane Pinto not being on that third line for him most of the season definitely caused Joseph to have a bit of a a downgrade in his ability to provide offensive numbers. And he scored two shorthanded goals and one on the power play. I'm with the fans on this one, Ross. I gave Joseph a D grade here because he needed to be that offensive guy in the bottom six, and he just wasn't. Yeah, he simply wasn't. And you mentioned three goals. Pilsy, I've got a little anomaly for you. He scored one goal on the power play. Yeah. He scored one goal shorthanded, and he scored one goal five on three shorthanded. Yeah. So never did he score more than one goal in the same situation all season long. It's just, again, an anomaly. And and we'll talk about that more because when you look at it, who did Matthew Joseph play the most with all season? Tyler Mott is the answer, which makes me believe, like, wait, he didn't play a whole lot with any centerman then. Hard to get a lot of familiarity with that. The centerman he played most with was Shane Pinto, 168 minutes with Shane Pinto. But he played 150 minutes, this is all 5-on-5, with Dylan Gambrell. And then he played 120 minutes at 5-on-5 with Derek Broussard. It just felt like there was never that continuous centerman for him to build a little bit of chemistry with. And 
I know that they're paid to be individual players as well, but I do think that there is a lot to be said about, hey, where are you going in the D zone? Where are you going this? How do you want to break the puck out? How do you want to use our talents to our advantage in the offensive end? So I think there are a lot of reasons for Matthew Joseph's struggles this year that are beyond his control, but he simply just needs to be better next season. Like, I don't think there's any way to put it. I know that he missed that two-week span in the middle of March after getting hurt in the Calgary game, that uh, leg injury that did not look comfortable. Only one assist in the last nine games. And they were when he got back, that first game back was uh, the win against Florida where we really felt like this team was making a final push. And it's like, you need your depth guys to step up and be contributors and just wasn't. It just wasn't. He was noticeable some games. He obviously he's probably the I don't know fastest, if not second fastest player on the team. It's just it's just using that ability to put up counting stats. Because if you watch the games this year, we, I mean we probably went eighty one for eighty two Pilsy, and uh, you, you look at uh, you look at what he brings in terms of speed, creating space, good defensive stick, good penalty killer, like Jordy was saying, and it's just you get paid to produce and you got to, you got to produce to win games. And uh, you just need a bit more than that. Like he almost had as many points in 11 games last year as he did in 56 this year. Yep, exactly. And that's the thing. I don't want it to be all negative about Joseph because I still have faith in him and I still see the potential. And I think maybe it's, it it was just a weird year for him. Then you had that stuff where uh, he was disciplined by the team and missed the game up against his brother. And just, there's a lot of weird things going on for Joseph this season. So I think if we can get a more consistent roster for him, I think he can do well. And yes, he is an offensive threat on the penalty kill, and he does use his speed and forechecking uh, pretty good. It's just he didn't have consistent line mates that were able to support him and uh, help him play the game he needs to. What are you hoping to see from him next year? Like, where where can he improve? Uh, it's, it's the even strength goal scoring. That's it. There's no other conversation. He needs to be getting at least 10 goals a year, and a good chunk of those have to be even strength. He needs to be the offensive firepower in the bottom six point blank. That's it. So are you, you're starting him, him and Shane Pinto for your kind of locks there on the third line. Agreed. Yes. Do, do you bring in somebody from the outside to fill that, that left side spot? Nope. Internally. I want to see a battle between Igor Sokolov, Crookshank, Ridley Gregg, uh, Roby Arventi. Somebody internally has to fill that spot, in my opinion. So somebody, and that makes sense, man, because we're going on, it'll be three years since the 2020 draft. And it's like, hey, the whole reason, we know you nailed it at the top with Timmy and, and Sanderson, but these other guys that are kind of pushing to take that step, the forwards, the Ridleys, the Yarventis, and, and Igor Sokolov, it's going to be interesting to see who fits with Matthew Joseph. I might have a hot take here, but I think he might get moved this summer. That's that's one of my hot takes here. So we'll we'll see. I think if he comes back, I think it's it's very likely that he bounces back and has a better year. I'm not advocating to trade him, but if you're looking to help other areas, a salary of almost three million dollars might have to be the money out that goes to bring in a player like a goalie or somebody who's going to help you in the bottom six, maybe two guys for one or or something. Anyway, we'll see how it shakes out. Maybe a bit of a cheaper option. We'll see. But man, the skill is clearly there with Matthew Joseph. It's just, can he put it all together? The fans didn't think so with that D grade. I probably go with a D as well for, for Matthew Joseph tomorrow, more player 
exit interviews. We'll get into some depth guys who we think might have an extra gear in them. We'll talk some playoffs and more. But for today, we say goodbye. Before we do, though, Pilsy, any final thoughts? Nope. Nothing for me today, Ross. Go Panthers is my final thoughts. Let's go. For today, we say goodbye. For more, check out yesterday's episode of Locked On Senators, where we talked all things Snoop Dogg, Nico Sparks, the Remington Group, and Ryan Reynolds. Sense ownership is still a roller coaster, and it will be to be determined where it lands. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.